0: so you can get a sense of what's going on. What's happening in our world, the world God has called us to be stewards over, that we've got a responsibility to care for and to nurture. This world is the one I'm talking about this morning. Man survives being shot multiple times. Three teens Accused of lighting a boy's hair on fire. Fourth grader walks into a school with a gun. Pilot sentenced for attempting to fly while drunk. Keep in mind, I just flew in Friday. And I'm flying out Tuesday. Nurses license suspended after medication stolen. Seventeen-year-old arrested after... Baby found with a skull fracture. This is the world that we're called to witness in. There's a desperate need in this world for a disruptive witness. Would you agree with that? Uh, a corporate body of believers that are bold and unafraid to stand firm in a culture that's hostile toward God and anybody who says they represent it. The church is not at the mercy of what's happening in the world, but we're God. God's chosen solution to combat it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the solution. The ultimate divine disruption is a Christian who knows who they are and what they have in Jesus. Greatest, thy faithfulness. You, you've never failed me yet. And guess what? We don't serve a God that just doesn't fail, but we serve a God that can't fail. Think about that. So this morning, I want us to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. You know, open up your Bible, turn on your device, and we're going to talk about what it means to be a witness. When you got it, say amen. All right, I'm a feedback kind of guy. Let me know you got it. Amen? If you don't say wait, (laughs) I'm going to wait for you because I want you to get there. I want you to read it with me. Um, Are we there? All right. It says in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, taken up where? Taken up to heaven. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait On the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. Uh, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the season that the father is fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power. This is the good news. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. What an amazing responsibility God is saying that we will be when we receive the Holy Spirit. We will be his witnesses. Where? Witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to preach today from the subject of reliable worldwide witness. A reliable worldwide witness. Let us pray. Father God, we just want to come to you this morning, recognizing the world we live in. But you tell us, as amazing as it sounds, that you've called us to be a part of the solution. That you've given us a power and authority that's able to go out into the world and not be in it, just in it, but, but also to overcome it. You say, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Somehow you say that this evil that we see cannot overcome us, but you say, be not overcome by evil, but we can overcome this evil with good. God, empower us today. Open up our minds and hearts. Help us to know that you've been in this series about how we as a church need to go out into this world and be a disruption to this culture that doesn't want to know God. And empower us to believe in our feeble efforts, God, that you're able to use us to make a difference in the lives of your people. I'm praying that folks that don't know you this morning will make a decision to be saved. And I'm praying for those that have already accepted you as Lord and Savior will be empowered in knowing who they are in Christ. A reliable, not just a witness, but I said a reliable worldwide witness we ask all these things in christ's name amen so we're looking at the books of book of acts also called the acts of the apostles this is the sequel to the gospel of luke luke is the altar the the author god chose to use a physician a gentile to write to a primarily gentile audience god used him to record an authentic account of the work of christ in the gospel of luke and also to show us the inauguration of the church in the book of Acts. Are you with me? This was necessary because inaccurate accounts were circulating, creating division. And we know who's the author of division. In confusion, the culture was divided, Jews versus Gentiles, Christians versus non-Christians. The called out ones versus the world. God didn't call us to be divided, but he called us to be unified. But unified in him. That's a critical piece. However, be aware that divine disruption can bring a sword and not peace. There will be times that God will say you got to disrupt this culture and what's going on. And it it may not bring peace, but it may bring a sword. So it seems like there are times when the enemy is dividing and there's times where disrupting witnesses might be dividing in the name of the Lord. And how do we discern which is which? I'm going to help you. In the midst of the chaos that's going on, God, before the foundations of the world, decided he had an institution in mind that he was going to establish that would set us straight. This church, the church, is that institution. Doesn't it feel good to be a part of something that God designed before the foundations of the world to make a difference? None of the things that are going on in this world caught God by surprise. He already had a plan in place. He already had you in place to be a part of the solution. I don't know, I stand a little bit taller when I think about the fact that God had me in mind. One body with many members. I can't do it by myself, but he had me in mind. He had you in mind to be a part of the solution. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. This, this groom, Jesus, is, is bringing together his bride in a way that the world had never quite seen, like this. It's clear what God's priority is about the church. That it's supposed to be an institution that's training, that's teaching, that's preparing for a move of God that would radically change the world. That's what he's setting them up for. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of it. That should bring a smile to your face. If you don't have a reason to smile, I'm, I'm guessing that that should bring a smile to your face. Because God is saying that he wants to use you. So what is the goal of this institution, the training and teaching and preparing? It's to become reliable to develop reliable worldwide witnesses for God. These short eight verses is going to tell us about what being a witness means. I have three points I want you to take away today from this message. Firstly, what qualifies you to be a witness? The second point is what enables you to be a witness? All right, I'm excited to be a witness, but what is going to enable me to be able to do it? And the last point is... Now, where do we witness? All right, I'm qualified, I'm enabled, but now where am I supposed to be witnessing? So let's start. The book was addressed to Theophilus in Luke chapter one, verse three. He's called most excellent Theophilus. So we know that he's a, a Roman official, most likely a high ranking Roman official whose name means man or one who loves God. Now, we don't have a whole lot of details about him, but what we do know is that in that day it wasn't uncommon for a gospel writer like Luke to have somebody that was a high official, even a Roman official, that would ultimately end up copying these books and distributing them where they needed to go to the churches and to the people that needed to hear the message. So Theophilus, a man that was a Roman, God used in order to get the message out to God's people. I'm telling you, he can use anybody. <laughs> he can use anybody. But we know that this, the audience for this book went well beyond this one man. It was intended to be read and lived out by those who were already in the family of faith and an inspiration to the unbelievers that they would make a decision to come to faith. So what qualifies us to be a witness? The first thing is that believing the gospel message, the life, death, burial, ascension, and resurrection, and the second coming of Christ. You've got to believe that first. That's where it starts. You've got to recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior, And that Jesus Christ is that Savior, that you put your hope and faith in him and you turn from your old life. You turn from your sinful life and you decide to to follow him. I recognize I'm a sinner and a Savior, so now I repent because I realize I'm separated from God and I want a personal relationship with him. So now that I've accepted him, I turn from my old ways and I follow him by faith. This is what qualifies you. So not everybody in here may be a witness. Because the very first step is you've got to say, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal. Now my parents accepted him for me. or my grandparents, I've been going to church for a while, so I'm sure at this point I've got to be saved. No, it, it doesn't work like that. Did you make a personal decision to accept Jesus Christ for yourself? I realize I'm a savior, but now I've got to accept him. And now once I've accepted him, I've got to make a decision to live for him. This is the evidence of somebody who's been born again. First base. I got to believe. So, okay, I'm hearing this witness. I've heard witness before, but what is a biblical witness? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. A biblical witness is a messenger. An observer. Someone who testifies to what they've seen and what they've heard and they verify something is being true. So I observe. The life and work of Christ in the lives of his people. I testify to the fact that Jesus Christ saved me personally. I've got a testimony. I can tell you what he did when he saved my sinful soul. But then I'm also able to verify the truth of my lie. This is the benefit of being a biblical witness. But I also need to be reliable. Why do you think I put that there? It would have been easy just to say a biblical witness. But I said a reliable witness. Jesus was a reliable witness of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Verse one, let's start there. Luke wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach. A reliable witness is consistent. A reliable witness is good, one definition said, in quality or performance. A reliable witness is trustworthy. One day I'm smiling and I'm shouting because I'm not having a whole lot of problems and I'm praising and worshiping the Lord. But the next week you see the same person and they seem down and out, hopeless and cursing folk out. I, I, he's looking for reliable witnesses, consistent witnesses that he can count on at any time of day or night. You call me late at night or early in the morning. And I'm not upset because I'm tired because I'm a reliable witness and I don't know what op- opportunity God may be opening up in this phone call. In the work. says all Jesus began to do and teach. But then it sounds like here the church is supposed to continue it. Have you ever understood it that way? That the work that Jesus began, that he's called us, you and me, to continue that work? Think about that for a minute. Jesus said, I began the work, all the miracle signs, and wonders. I did them. Ministering to the poor, to the sick, to those in need. Benevolence is what they call that. And his witness was most pronounced on Calvary. The greatest witness. You want to know what it means to be a reliable biblical witness? You look at the example of Christ. Did absolutely nothing wrong. Sin wasn't in it, but yet he went to Calvary. Not because of anything he deserved, but because of us. This is a reliable witness here. The greatest evidence of that is what he did on the cross. He didn't deserve it. We sing about that. But yet he freely did it because he wanted to give you an opportunity. He wanted to give this culture an opportunity to be changed. And apart from him sacrificing the way he did on the cross, they have no access to God. Being a reliable witness means at times you're going to be taken advantage of. You need to hear this. You're going to be abused. You're going to be mistreated. You're not going to be appreciated. You're going to be mocked. But yet at the same time, a reliable witness says, what does the father intend for me to do? And I'm going to stay my course. You continue to order my steps wherever that leads me, in spite of what the people around me are doing or not doing, because I want to be consistent. I want to be trustworthy. This is bigger than me. You know you're going to heaven, but he didn't save us just so we could go. He saved us because of the people that I read about. In the beginning of the message, need somebody to remind them that God is here and he loves you. (laughs) He wants a relationship with you and he needs you. Because you've got gifts and talents that nobody else has the way you do. Let me get back to what i was supposed to say. <laughs> but he was not only a, a witness in what he said, but he was a witness in what he did. Our qualification to be a witness is based on who we're following. I'm following Jesus and because I'm following him and I'm being faithful to him and I'm believing in him, that qualifies me to be a witness. At times we might try to explain away, I don't know, I may be hitting home here. We try to explain away our reasonable services, reliable witnesses, but a born-again believer always defaults to obedience. Even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable. I know some people that know they've been called to a ministry, but there are times that they want to throw their hands up. That's the reality of the Christian walk. But as believers, as reliable witnesses, we always default to what is God saying in me being obedient. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. But let's look at some folk in the Bible that you'll all know that tried to explain away their responsibility to be reliable witnesses. Adam tried to do it. (laughs) Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. So guess what? You in this sin condition, sometimes we can get so caught up that we even try to blame God. Yeah, this woman you gave me, guess what? I didn't ask for a helpmate. I was all right. You sent me this helpmate. Now, all of a sudden, I'm finding myself separated from you. We can lose our mind if we're not careful. Blaming God, it happens. Moses tried to explain it away, why he wasn't a reliable witness. He said, hey, you don't want to use me as a reliable witness. Let me tell you why. I'm going to make my appeal to you guys so you can understand I've got an argument as to why you shouldn't use me. He said in Exodus chapter four, verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm I'm not eloquent is what he said, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow in speech and of tongue. Guess what? You can't use me, God. I can't put two words together. You knew that when you created me. I couldn't speak then. And guess what? I still can't speak. But here it is. You're calling me, using me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm telling you, God can use anybody even when we don't feel like we're qualified witnesses. It's not, I don't qualify myself, it's God who qualifies me. Yeah, you may not feel like you have the talents to be used in the way God wants you to use you, but he's saying, I've qualified you. And is that enough? In Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, guess what, he had an excuse too on why he wouldn't be a reliable witness. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, he said, and the slugger says, there's a lion outside. Man, we're getting serious here. There's a line outside, and I shall be killed in the streets. Guess what? I can't be a reliable witness because you don't know what's going on in that world, God. Pastor just talking about fourth graders coming to school with a gun. Pilots flying around drunk. I don't know, man. He may end up landing someplace where I am. Nurses supposed to be caring for folk, and they're high on medication. I can't go out into this world. You don't know what's out there. And I can't tell you what's going to happen when you go out there, but I'm telling you what a disrupting witness does. A disrupting witness goes out there by faith. We're walking by faith, not by sight. All those things are still out there and all those things are still happening. But guess what? I know greater is he that's in me. I know my God has a way of providing whatever that may mean. I'm willing to sacrifice even my own life. No greater thing can one man do to be willing to lay down his life for a friend. Are you willing to do that? I'm telling you what a reliable witness looks like yeah there's not many we're dwindling down the numbers the more I talk but witnesses are not perfect (laughs) I want to make that clear witnesses are not expected to be perfect Peter was a witness in the inner circle of Christ but yet he denied Christ three times Judas was a witness in the highest office in the church but yet he turned Jesus over for 30 pieces of silver Thomas was a witness, again, handpicked by Christ. Christ knew these things were going to happen, but he still chose them. (laughs) He still chose them. He said, yeah, until I put my hands in his womb, no man has ever brought himself back from the grave. So I don't care who's telling me this. Until I see Christ in front of me, I'm not going to believe. Any of us in those shoes, we don't know how we're going to react because it had never happened before. So as reliable witnesses, it does not mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we're continuing to seek God and being obedient to him. Whatever that means. I'm so so grateful that God's given us grace. He decided to use witnesses like you and me who are still under construction. God's not done yet with us. He's still sanctifying us, maturing us, and growing us. Regardless of where you are, God is just saying, don't stay there. Don't stay there. Let's look at verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven... After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen. All right. I'm qualified because I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I believe the gospel, but I'm also qualified because he chose me. He chose you. Man, this is good. When you get this, when you get that God chose you, it it changes the way you live your life. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Yeah, even before you were born, before your parents knew you on the way, I already had a plan for you to change the nations. And what does God plan for you? What is he going to use you to do? If you're still here, he's still using you. I don't care what age you are. He's still using you. Ephesians 1.4, even as I chose Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, and we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He chose us to be a holy nation. I'm talking about a reliable witness here. Isaiah 44:2 Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb, and will help you. He didn't just chose you and say, Good luck. (laughs) He chose you and he said, Hey, I'm going to help you. Because I understand just how hard it is in this broken generation. He says, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Just like we can't save ourselves, we can't call ourselves. And when God calls us, his intentions are to partner with us to build up the kingdom. God qualifies you. My second point, what enables us to witness? All right, I'm excited, I'm qualified now. Now, what enables me to be able to do it? Reflecting on the risen Savior. There are a lot of different faith traditions out there that believe in different gods. But we can go to a grave, a tomb, a mausoleum somewhere and find them. You want to know the difference between Jesus and everybody else? He's alive. Oh, there should have been a shout right there. I said we're serving a savior that is alive. Probably struggling. I haven't seen him. I, I, he, stay with the message. We'll get there. Jesus is alive. You got to remember that. First Corinthians 15, 17 said that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is worthless. Your faith is empty. And you're still in your sin. I can't be saved by a God who was killed. <laughs> if you kill a God I put my hope and faith in, what good is he to me? Obviously, something is greater than him if it can kill him. But our Savior is saying, yeah, nothing can put me down. Guess what? You think you have the power to give me life or take my life? I'm telling you, my father has that authority. You can't do anything my father doesn't allow. So watch it happen. Even the apostles had no idea what he was saying. Here it is. you Rebuild it in three days. What are you talking about? I'm talking about my body. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. So you can have confidence that you can be reliable witnesses because you're not following somebody that they could kill. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. Man, this is good stuff. If I wasn't already saved, I'd get saved again. Okay. <laughs> man, there's some good stuff here. So you can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and still not believe, I want you to hear this, and still not believe everything that he has to say. There are people that say, I've accepted Christ. But Thomas, hey, I'm still doubting. I've accepted him, I'm sure. I'm committed to him, but I just don't believe that he's alive. Um, so... I need to see it. Being a part of the church, I talk to people every day that says, I've got a relationship with God, I just don't go to church. <laughs> they believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't feel like they have a responsibility to go to the institution he established to train you up. <laughs> wow. I believe that I've got a relationship with God, but I don't have to give anything back. God doesn't need money. Heaven and the earth, all that's his. <laughs> but he uses that to be... His hands and feet in the community. The poor need money in order to buy food and clothing and shelter. And he uses the reliable witnesses in order to provide that. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the scriptures are of God, but I'm not sure if I believe everything that's in there. Jesus said he is the living word. So if you put your hope and faith in him, then you need to put your hope and faith in the word that he left us. And trust that he's able to divinely inspire the very words that he wanted recorded to help enable you to be able to do the work of the ministry. Let's move into verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering, after his death, with many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He showed himself alive. Another way of understanding that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Listen to this. This is really important. This means that God is incapable of making mistakes of being wrong. Let that marinate for a minute. We serve a God that's incapable of making mistakes and being wrong. I don't care what your fear might be today. If you're following God, you don't have anything to fear. Why? Because we serve a God that cannot make mistakes and cannot do anything wrong. That's an important thing for you to understand. He showed himself alive. And how did he show that? What were these proofs that he showed them? He was eating and drinking with them. A dead body raises himself. You don't know what's going to show up. <laughs> you don't know what's going to show up, but he saying, hey, it's me. It's me. Let's sit down and fellowship together. Let's break bread. I can eat. I can drink. We're not all fully certain on what that glorified body means, but we can see that Jesus was raised from the dead and in his glorified body, he was able to eat and drink. It gives us some information. He was able to be touched. So his body somehow even being glorified, people were able to touch him and interact with him and even put his Thomas, his hand in his side to verify that he was the Christ. He was able to teach like only he he could. They taught him. He said he taught him about the kingdom. He continued to teach. And Jesus had an authority and a power to teach in no way that somebody could counterfeit. I'm going to tell you that, you know, growing up in ministry, you know, you get enamored by some of these preachers. And early on, you try to imitate them. You do, you know, Gardner Taylor, you know, H.B. Lockridge, um, Manuel Scott, Sr. got all these folks that you try to imitate because. You like their style, but guess what? Nobody can imitate Jesus. When Jesus showed up and he started to preach and teach, this is an infallible proof. They knew right away, yeah, this is him. This is him. Not only is Jesus right, but he's incapable of being wrong. After meeting on the mountain of Galilee and breaking bread with his disciples, he tells them something, that even today, Bible scholars are struggling to try to understand. Jesus tells them that there's a gift coming. This is when you should get excited. Slide to the edge of your seat. There's a, there's a gift that's coming that his father has promised and that we've already talked about. So he's saying this is not new information. The father's promised this and I've already talked about it. This is the gift you need to get excited about. You're not going to be baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every gift we have comes from God. And he said, yeah, right now your understanding is limited because you're thinking about water baptism. But no, I've got something better than that. I've got something that's going to enable you to be able to do the work of the ministry in a way that the church has never seen. it. Jesus was the gift that promised and prophesied about in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit is the gift that's prophesied and promised in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit, one person of the triune God. What is it able to do? In Luke 24, 40, 45, it says this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I don't know how God does this but I came to faith by reading the scriptures nobody shared the gospel with me I didn't have anybody to ask questions to about it I was just able to open up the word with no insight at all and God uniquely just worked in my heart in such a way with the Holy Spirit in order to help me understand what I needed to do to be saved but the Bible is saying that God the Holy Spirit is what opens our minds up to be able to understand see God can do whatever he wants to do but apart from the Holy Spirit you can't gain any understanding That's important to know. John 20, 22 says, and when he said, and this is Jesus, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He had to breathe on them, and then they had to make a decision to receive it. This is the way they're used to the Spirit operating. Once I have it, it opens up my mind, I'm able to come to faith, but then it moves on. Jesus may breathe on somebody, they receive it, then it starts to operate in them. This is the history that they have with the way that the Holy Spirit works. But he's saying, I've got something new here. Things are getting ready to change. The Holy Spirit would operate differently than it ever has before. Let's look at John fourteen seventeen. This is the gist of what I want you to really take home. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Emmanuel, meaning God with us, on the day of Pentecost, he will also be God in us. That ought to get you excited. He's not only with you, but now this Holy Spirit that I'm sitting back, that the gift that the Father has promised is also going to be in you. Every gift we have, the gift of service, the gift of mercy, the gift of preaching, the gift of prophecy, the gift of exhortation, kindness, love, gentleness, all the things that are fruits of the Spirit are a product of this Holy Spirit. Everything you bring to the table is only because of what God has already implanted, deposited in you. This is a major shift. Pentecost is coming. In Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4, we'll see the Spirit fall on 120 men and change them forever. He's saying it's not only just going to be around you, but it's also going to be talking about being empowered. Well, you know the fullness of God is in you. There's something about that that makes me feel like I can walk through walls. I can do anything. All things are possible to those that believe. But apart from Him, we could do nothing. So now that we're qualified and enabled, where are we to go? Yeah, we're excited and we're ready to go. Where do I need to go to witness? Alright. Where are we to witness? First, the disciples wanted to know if this move of the Spirit was going to be the time that He would restore the kingdom back to Israel because they understood that at some point in redemptive history you're going to restore Israel back to their kingdom is this the time this is such a miraculous move maybe this will be the time and this is what Jesus says. he said to them it's not for you to know now, sometimes as witnesses we have a hard time with this it's not for you to know the time or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority Reniable witnesses accept that some things are not meant for them to know I know that's hard to do because we naturally want to know. But there's certain things that we just don't know because if we knew everything, guess who we would be? But then he keeps going. He said, yeah, don't be discouraged because you can't know this right now when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. But you will receive power. <laughs> just know this. Don't worry about the details. I'm just telling you what's getting ready to happen. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness." Nobody else's witnesses because I'm the one who chose you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do we really understand what it means to be witnesses for God? Second Corinthians 520 says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Man, God is making his appeal through me. Through you. Broken people, fallen people, redeemed people. But struggling people, making this appeal to—we employ you on the behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Be walking with God. Stay close to God. This culture is trying to divide us, but we've got to be willing to stay unified as a church because that's the only way we're going to be able to stand. They need to see the church is unified to believe that God is in it. God is calling on reliable witnesses to go to the ends of the earth does that mean i need to be a missionary a foreign missionary what does that mean that means wherever god has you planted right now is where you need to be a reliable witness that means in walmart that means at the schoolhouse that means at the mall that means in the church that means out in the community that means at your university that means at the airport Wherever God has you, you call to be reliable witnesses because we don't know what opportunities God is going to open up. Me and my wife always talk about an open door, listening for that open door. I went to visit her in school the other day and a lady came up and she was introducing me to this lady and we started to talk. And the lady said, man, you know, your wife is such a great teacher. I don't, I don't know how she's able to do it. I said, yeah, and you know, my wife, that's a gift that she was given. I heard an open door. See, reliable witnesses, they're listening for this open door. She didn't have any desire to talk about God. (laughs) But she just wanted to know why my wife was so good at what she did. And I said, it's because she's got a passion for it. She was called to do it. She's been gifted to do it. This is not of her, but this is the God that's in her. I'm pointing her to the Holy Spirit that's in her. And she says, oh, man, I've seen it. I didn't know you were a believer in Christ. I seen it, though. I just didn't know how to put my finger on it. But I I knew there was something different about what you had. I just couldn't put into words what it was. God is calling us to be reliable witnesses. Last week, I saw a friend of mine that goes to my Bible study every week. And he's such a mild, mannered, laid-back kind of guy. (laughs) Never seen him upset at all. And I saw him first thing in the morning and I could tell he was upset. And I didn't know what was going on. And he pulled me aside and he started to talk to me about what was going on in his neighborhood. He said, chaps, I don't know what to do. I've got a neighbor and the kids are out of control. He said, they're destroying my property, they're tearing up my lawn, um, throwing stuff at the cars. You know, they're just tearing up the neighborhood. And I've tried talking to the kids. I've tried talking to their parents. I've even tried talking to other neighbors and asking them, um, please talk to those kids because the parents get upset when I do. He said, what do I do? I've done everything I know how to do. And I'm helping you understand what it means to be a reliable witness. There are times when you've done everything you believe God has led you to do and the relationship just doesn't work out. No preacher wants to admit that, but we see it all through scripture. Being obedient to God is about you being comfortable and at peace with where you stand with God. <laughs> Whether people respond or don't respond. So I told him, I said, sometimes the answer is you turn it over to God. He expected some profound answer. Sometimes when you know you've done all you can do, you continue to pray for them. You continue to encourage them. You continue to be available to them when they need support and encouragement. But at the same time, you got to also guard yourself. Because they can easily pull you in if you're not careful. When you know you've done all you can do, you turn it over to God and you believe that God is still working. You may not always see the fruit of a change. I'd love to be able to say that, you know, he prayed about it. And one day he was driving in. this, And next thing you know, his neighbor ran out, jumped on him and gave him a hug and said, I love you. I've accepted Christ. I wish I could share that, but we don't know that may be coming. Just hasn't happened yet. But he allowed it to destroy him. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what it can do. He said, I feel like that old man is sort of coming back. is what he said. If we're not careful, the enemy can get us off track for being reliable witnesses because we allow people to pull us into places that God has already delivered us from. We're called to be a reliable witness in our thoughts and in our actions. We've been qualified. We've been enabled. We've been dispatched to this church for such a time as this. We can't let anything take us off mission. I want to close with this scripture verse. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with all of you. Amen. Amen. So this is the most important time in the service. If you haven't taken a first step in being a reliable witness and accept Christ this is your opportunity to do it. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, and we don't want to assume that everybody's in right standing with God. If you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your opportunity. As a church family, we want to come alongside you and let you know what those next steps are to start your relationship with Jesus. If you made that decision today, you said, I want to be a reliable witness for Christ, but I'm not sure where to start. Help me. Just raise your hand right now. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Nobody's going to see your hand. If today... You're ready to make that decision to accept Christ, put your hand up. If you just need prayer, put your hand up. We'd love to pray for you today. Help me to be that reliable witness I've called to be. Amen. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. As a whole church, we all need that. Thank you. Go ahead and put them down. This is also an opportunity if you aren't connected with a church and you feel like God may be leading you to connect with us here, we'd love to have you. Let us know that you want to be a part of this church, and we'll kind of talk to you about those next steps. If you've accepted Christ and never been baptized, we'd love to to have an opportunity and a privilege to be able to baptize you into the family of faith. Um, Just let us know at the end of the service. I'll be back at the door on the way out, and if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I would love to just shake your hand and thank you for coming this morning.